Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio.
Hello and welcome to the Right Voice Radio Show. I am Adrian Ross, your host, and so greetings. Thank you for tuning in. We have a special show tonight. So once again, I'm going to give you our call-in number in case you have a question or if you want to make a comment. That phone number is 646 200 3715. Again, that's 646 200 3715. So feel free to call in. We have a lot going on tonight in terms of news and politics, but tonight is an, an especially special show, if I may say that. And, uh, and before I jump into to our guest, uh, let me first acknowledge that, um, of course, tomorrow is Veterans Day. And so we want to to always acknowledge those who sacrifice so much to to keep us safe. Um, so make sure that if you see a vet a veteran tomorrow, thank that veteran for his or her service. And also, I want to acknowledge that today is the 240th birthday of the United States Marine Corps. So we are so grateful for our Marines. We're so grateful for our veterans. In fact, we're we're so grateful for all who serve and who have served. So. Uh, thank you so much for that. We honor you tonight. Uh, well, let's just get into tonight's show. We have a, uh, a wonderful guest. Dr. Alveda King is our guest tonight. She is the daughter of civil rights activist Reverend A.D. King and also the niece of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. And she's going to be here with us talking about several issues. And then afterwards, we're going to delve into some news and, and politics as, as time allows. We, we know that it's a, it's a big night in terms of um, politics. Uh, the undercard debate is wrapping up right now for the GOP presidential hopefuls. And um, we know that the main stage debate will be um, at 9 o'clock Eastern. So we're sandwiched in between, and we're so glad you are here. So I am um, I'm going to just invite our guests. On with us, Dr. Alveda King. Are you there? Hello. Yes, I'm here. How are you this evening? I am and, doing. Uh, to you and your listeners, good evening. Yes, good evening. I am so glad to hear your voice. Thank you for joining us. And I just have to tell you, I'm honored. I'm honored to have you with with you know this on this. The right voice, you know, to have you not just not just for your legacy, um, not just because you're king as the daughter and the niece of such uh, uh, such prominent historical figures, but also for what you do, Dr. Alvita, your life's work, for the pro-life work, for your voice on that issue, um, as well as issues of race in the nation. And we're going to get into mm -hmm. a little bit of all that of, of all that tonight. Well, I'm happy to talk about my life experiences. Of course, we're right in the middle of a lot of exciting things in the political world as well. So you're in the driver's seat. Let's take it away. All right. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. So um, just as a, as a little background, I already said that, that your, your dad is the Reverend A.D. King, and, and you're the niece of, of Dr. Martha King, but you also travel mm -hmm. the nation and you promote the value of human life. You you stress one thing I always hear you you stress the power of love through Jesus Christ. You share your your testimony as well, and um, you're the pastoral associate and director of African American Outreach for Priests for Life and Gospel of Life Ministries. Um, a no I mean noteworthy accomplishments. An author. You've had numerous awards. You're a Fox News contributor. 
So um, you've got, there's a lot uh, to you, and I'm so glad we get to, to tap into, into you tonight. So let's just start by by laying a foundation, because many people will say, well, you know, obviously we know who Dr. King is, but many people may not know as much about, about your dad, who was a civil rights activist. Would you start us off by telling us about your dad and, and what his role was in the civil rights struggle? Well, my dad, Reverend Alfred Daniel Williams King, he was known as A.D. Mm-hmm. So you had A.D. and M.L., ML mm-hmm. Martin Luther King Jr. was the older brother. They had an older sister, Christine. Christine King Cyrus was firstborn. Martin Luther King Jr. secondborn. Alpha Daniel Williams King was born as the, the youngest. And so the three of them, of course, were raised by parents, Mrs. Alberta Williams King, whose father was Adam. Williams, Adam Daniel Williams, and that's where Alfred Daniel Williams King, my dad, had part of his name. And his parents were slaves, but his mm. daddy was a slave preacher. And so Adam, when he was born, was one of the early founders of the NAACP in Atlanta. And Daddy King's family, uh, Nathan Branham King, was his grandfather from Cork, Ireland. So you mm-hmm. had the African American freedom fighters, the Irish freedom fighters in the bloodline. And my mom, is uh, her daddy was half Cherokee, where I read. So I was born into a family of freedom fighters. And as a result, uh, also compassionate people, preachers, the ministry of Jesus Christ is very strong in our bloodline. And so that came from seven generations. And you can see the family tree in my book, King Rules, and my children's book, King Rules for Children, my children's mm-hmm. book, B-U-B-E-E-Y-O-U. So that is part of our heritage. We were born into a prophetic bloodline. Mm, that come on. Claim truth today. Mm-hmm. So you, you got that fighting spirit honest. You got it honest, Dr. Alvita. Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. so what kinds of things did, did you experience that, that many people perhaps cannot relate to today. We hear a lot of people, you know, a lot of the young people, and they they call lots of people racist, and they talk about the struggles that they're going through, but you really lived through some some trying times. What kinds of things did you experience? Well, if you're listeners and you are younger than 50 years old, you're not aware of the uh, colored and white water fountains. The, uh, you couldn't go into a store and try on a pair of shoes or a garment, you'd have to buy it sight unseen and you couldn't return it, and on and on. And uh, we were in our home in 1963 in Birmingham, Alabama, the home of A.D. and Naomi King, and it was bombed with us there. The children were in the bed sleeping. And uh, a mother was at the front, and Daddy was able to rescue her, get her to the halfway point of the house, and the whole front of the, front of the house blew up. But we were all always taught to love, to forgive, and to do God's will, whether other people did that or not. I marched and went to jail for something called open housing in Kentucky. My dad founded the Kentucky Christian Leadership Conference there after the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, where mm-hmm. uh, fighting for the rights of people who could pay a house note or pay cash for a house to be able to live wherever they wanted to live. So those mm-hmm. are some things, of course, that your listeners would not be aware of, and now we've moved on into the 21st century. Some of those things are better, 
but uh, many of our people are not as, as educated as they need to be. The opportunities are not there for our men in the workplace, so some of that is is still going on. Mm-hmm. Now, I listen to when you talk about your home being bombed and, and you being there and the, and the water fountains and all those things that could bring about a hatred, and yet you say you were always taught to love. And so one thing I will ha- I have to tell you that comes across every time we hear you speak, and I heard you in person. I'm originally, I live in Missouri now, but I I've only been here a couple of years. I'm born and raised. So I was in upstate New York, and I and I heard you speak at a at a um, a function to support a pregnancy support center. And mm-hmm. um, so whether it's there, whether it's on Fox News or wherever, you radiate this hope and this love. In fact, um, on Facebook yesterday, I had two young ladies, and they were talking. Oh, I love her! I love her! And they were they Aww. they had been, yeah, they had been adopted, and they they were sharing. Uh, one of them in particular was sharing her story, and you just seem to inspire uh, inspire hope. So, how does someone such as yourself, who's seen what you have seen and lived through what you have lived through, how do you maintain that spirit of love and hope? I was introduced to Jesus Christ by my family at a very young age. In, in 1956, I guess it was, I uh, believe that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary and died on the cross and rose again. I was at Ebenezer Baptist Church. Now, I didn't give my full my life fully to Christ until 1983, but my daddy would preach about the miracles of Christ, and I believed them. My grandfather would talk about faith, hope, and love, and, and Uncle M.L., Martin Luther King, would talk about the love of God and the love of Christ. John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world, and that means everybody in it, that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It goes on to say God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. And then mm-hmm. in Acts 17.26, my family always believed this because it says of one blood God made all people. So it doesn't matter what color your skin is. We're mm-hmm. supposed to be brothers and sisters. And we're supposed to love each other. And I was mm-hmm. just brought up that way, tried to get away from it, but came right back to it. Mm-hmm. Kind of grabs you, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. All right. Um, but I have I have more for you, but I do see that we have a caller, so I want to, to bring this caller in and uh, see what they might want to say to you. Hello, caller. Okay. Um, hello. This is Mariah. Hi, Mariah. Um, I just wanted to thank um, Dr. King for everything. She's been an inspiration. Um, I was adopted um, since a baby, but my birth mother, she had uh, tried an abortion with me, uh, but it failed, and she kind of neglected the pregnancy. And then when she gave birth to me, she just left me at the hospital, and she just walked mm-hmm. away, and the hospital was the one that put me up for adoption. And wow. I've just very pro-life ever since. Mm-hmm. And having someone else who speaks up for pro-life just means a lot to me. She's been a very big inspiration for me. Well, mm-hmm. thank you. You know, my grandfather, my mother wanted an abortion. At that time, it was illegal in 1950. She was pregnant with me. She wanted a DNC. And they would do those without question 
in those days. So if you had a mysterious female ailment, you would just go to the doctor. And it wasn't all in the back alley and coat hangers and all that. Some of that occurred. That still happens today, by the way, even though abortion is legal. But uh, Daddy King told my mother, he said, you know, you can't abort that baby. She is a little girl with bright skin and bright red hair, and she's going to bless many people. I saw her in a dream three years ago, and I was born pathetically looking just like his dream. And uh, people think, I'm quoting Martin Luther King Jr. when I say I have a dream too, and though I, I daddy, granddaddy dreamed me and I'm here. And uh, I had secret abortions myself and a miscarriage based on some complications from that because abortion can be connected to um, breast cancer, mm-hmm. cervical cancer, all kind of stuff. And so, but in the mid-70s, I was going to abort another baby. And my grandfather said to me, no. He said, you can't, that's not a lot of flesh, that's my great-grandchild. And the baby's daddy said, he said, I'm a medical student. That's 26 chromosomes, 23 from me and 23 from you, mm-hmm. and I want mine back alive, see. Mm-hmm. So the fact that this dear caller now and you you were adopted and you're here to bear witness to the goodness of God today, that is the message that we need to get to people. Love heals. Love does not kill, you see. And so mm-hmm. when women feel they have no other choice for various reasons, compassion says give them a good choice. Help the ladies. Help the, even the dads and the family so that the baby can live and that the mother can live, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Th- thank you so much, Mariah, for your phone call. Thank you. Yes, yes. Well, you, you, you know. Yes, Dr. King, Mariah has, has, has transitioned us into into another phase of our conversation because I, there's a quote that has been attributed to you, and I just want to read the quote. It says, racism springs from the lie that certain human beings are less than fully human. It's a self-centered yeah. falsehood that corrupts our minds into believing we are right to treat others as we would not want to be treated. But I, I'd like for you, if you can, I mean, I see a connection there between the issue of life and the issue of race. Do you see a connection? Yes. There's one human race. We're all, mm-hmm. Acts 17, 26 says, of one blood. The mm-hmm. human race is here. And no matter what condition uh, that we discover we are born into, because we can be born into almost any state. The Bible clearly says that we're born into sin. But the Bible says that we are created in the image and likeness of God. And with mm-hmm. God, there is no discrimination in skin color. That little baby in the womb is just as much a human being as any human being. So we have to really be aware of that. And people might say, well, I was born this way or I was born that way. Then the answer is always, no matter what that condition of your birth happens to be, rich, poor, sick, well, uh, various issues and what we call generational curses and mm-hmm. all of that, we can absolutely all be born again. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that that issue of life, um, how is this? I mean, it's it's obviously important for for all life, but but it's it's very very crucial in the black community what we're seeing in the issue of life and Planned Parenthood and all that. Would you? I'm I'm interested in your thoughts, obviously, on Planned Parenthood and those investigative videos that seem to suggest that they're harvesting baby body parts for profit and all of that, how it ties into the black community in in particular. Well, a lot of people don't know that the founder of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, 
spirit that colored people are like like weeds. They need to be exterminated. We don't want mm-hmm. the word to get out, so let's cultivate some of their leaders. I'll give you an example of part of that effort. Uh, they were giving grants and scholarships and awards and things. In 1966, they tried to give Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, the, one of the first Maggie or Margaret Sanger awards. Mm-hmm. He did not attend the ceremony. He didn't write the speech. He didn't read the speech. He didn't go. His secretary wrote the thank you letter. So people said, well, if his wife went, that's the same thing. But no, like Mrs. Barbara Bush and Mrs. Laura Bush are both mm-hmm. pro-abortion. And mm-hmm. uh, Ms. Laura Bush kept that a secret till her husband left office. But both Betty Bush and uh, George W. Bush are pro-life. Martin Luther King Jr. was pro-life. He said the Negro cannot win if he's willing to sacrifice the futures of his children for immediate personal comfort and safety. So whenever mm-hmm. Planned Parenthood tries to read that speech and act like Martin Luther King Jr. would have agreed with the selling of the baby body parts or the abortion and all of that, I just ask people to go to his own words, his real speeches, not that somebody wrote for him mm-hmm. and, read, and somebody else read for him, but hear what he really said. So Margaret Sanger wanted to um, exercise population control, eugenics and uh, genocide. And mm-hmm. she thought that the uh, certain people, and in her mind, races, there's only one race, the human race, but she thought that the blacks and later the Latinos needed to be uh, eliminated, really. So mm-hmm. that's where mm-hmm. the genocide came in. Mm-hmm. And we know that we have, there's a huge, there's been a huge battle in uh, in government in terms of, of defunding Planned Parenthood and this whole thing as to whether the issue is worth what they call shutting down the government. So mm-hmm. let me just let me just kind of put uh, ask you to put on a political hat, if you will. If you were in Congress, is this an issue worthy of shutting, quote unquote, shutting down the government? I was a Georgia state legislator for two terms. Mm-hmm. That's four years uh, in the late seventies, early eighties. Mm-hmm. And of course, budget issues are there, and they strong arm each other. And if you don't, if you're not going along with who's in power, there are threats and all of that. But even if the government were shut down, there were some provisional things that would still have to be taken care of. And I was saying to someone today, say if a government is shut down, a government is cut back or something like that, if we in America would go ahead and do what is right, and that is to be fair uh, with those owners of businesses and corporations, the small businesses, the big businesses, and not penalize them so heavily with taxes, but give them incentives to bring the jobs back to America mm-hmm. and to let people work uh, in in places that will build, a will grow the nation and heal the nation. You see, because mm-hmm. all the government jobs don't, don't add to anything as far as economic growth is concerned. Mm-hmm. So even um, all the arguments and threats will shut the government down if you don't keep Planned Parenthood. Well, if you keep on with this astronomical rate of abortions, which right now is there are over 50 million mm-hmm. uh, Americans who lost their lives to abortions legally since 1973. Right. So you can guess that that's not everybody. That would take out the whole Midwest, uh, Michigan, and several of those states that are clustered there together. That's, that would be 50 million people. So I'm just saying, if we're going to continue, you cannot serve the people by killing the people. It's not possible. Mm. Right. And yet there are those who say this is a, this is a losing battle. Roe v. Wade, 1973, 
it's abortion is, is here to stay. Where do you stand on that issue? We can begin to make abortion unthinkable by really serving people and helping people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But listen, I just realized, I just looked at my clock. I'm going to have to break away. Okay. But, uh, I've enjoyed speaking with you, and let's do this again. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Alvita. I appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you. All right. Keep up the good work. You too. All right. Well, that, of course, was Dr. Alvita King, and I am so grateful that she was able to to spend some time with us and uh, talking about some very, very important issues. The number here is 646-200-3715. I want to thank Mariah for her call, but I also want to invite other people to call in and uh, and make a comment or uh, ask a question of me or whatever. We have quite a bit a bit to get to. But again, with Dr. King, I do want to point out her story is is so amazing. Her own testimony from you know someone who comes from such a um, a storied background, you, sh- you can say, with such such great leaders, and uh, and yet went through some difficulties herself and she shared that she's had um, abortions and she's, and she freely shares this and and miscarriages. And yet she, she proudly, or maybe I should say humbly proclaims the love of God. And uh, through all that she's walked through, she maintains that faith in God. And as I told her, wherever we are, and when we see her, when we hear her, she's always speaking about, about hope and about love. And so that's very, very important. I really wanted to kind of get into her brain about, uh, about some other some other issues, but we are just so just so grateful for the time that she was able to share with us. She's a busy woman, but check out Priest for Life, Google Priest for Life, where she does does such um, incredible work there. Priest for Life, and I also want to plug the fact that Newsmax named her among the top defenders of life, number thirty one in the top uh, one hundred, I believe it was, of those who defend defend life and we need more people and she also has a new book out called King Rules. So check out King Rules, check out Priest for Life, go on the Newsmax website, Google um the defenders of, of life on on that, see who's on that list as well because they deserve to be applauded. So we are going to take a quick break and uh in honor of the fact that that this is Veterans Day tomorrow and the fact that today is the uh 240th birthday of the U.S. Marines, I would like to play something uh, patriotic. So uh, let's get to it. You know the words. I know you do. My eyes have seen the glory of the
Whitney Houston. I tell you what, what a voice, what a voice. Um, Battle Hymn of Republic, and his truth is indeed uh, marching on. And uh, and that's what this is. This is what we are talking about. We're talking about truth. We're talking about hope. We're talking about the issue of life. We're talking about people like Mariah, who came on the, on the show and shared her story about being adopted. Speaking of adoption, by the way, and speaking about the issue of life, uh, November is uh, National Adoption Month. I don't know if you knew that. I don't know if you know that there was that there was such a thing, but indeed, indeed there is. And, and one of the things that people in the pro-life uh, movement say very often is that, you know, consider adoption. You know, adoption is, is, is an option. So for those who, you know, for those who find themselves in situations that they were not expecting, an unplanned pregnancy, um, and life just seems to have fallen upon you, understand that, that there is hope. And, and even when we talk about the issue of life, I always want to make it clear that, that there is forgiveness in God. And so I never, even though I speak strongly about the issue of life and I speak strongly against Planned Parenthood, I always want to make sure that at the heart of that is love and that there's hope and that there's a, that there's a better way and to come alongside people who may have had abortions as, as Dr. Alvita has, you know, as many others who have seen the light, you know, um, th- there's forgiveness in God and not, not condemnation in Jesus Christ. So I want to point that out. And so let's, let's move on again. This is national adoption month. So um, very, very important there. And, uh, and let's move and transition into um, some, some politics. Uh, We had the last hour, uh, the undercard GOP presidential debate. And, uh, and then we have, after I'm off the air at nine o'clock Eastern will be the main stage. Okay. With eight other candidates who made the cut, as they say, uh, before we, uh, get too deeply, really not going to get too deeply into that because it's, it's, uh, it's yet to air the main stage debate, but I want to talk about Ben Carson because he has dominated the news since late last week when Politico published a piece asserting that, that Carson admitted to quote, fabricating his life story. You probably, if you've turned on the radio, if you turned on the television, you've heard. And and it was like a bombshell that he had been, that he admitted, that was the thing that got me. He admitted, they said, to fabricating his life story. The whole issue, the center of the issue was that he said that he was offered, they say, in his, in his book, in his book, Gifted Hands, at 17 years old, that he was offered, he said, and turned down a scholarship to West Point. And the political headline by writer Kyle Cheney was, Ben Carson admits fabricating West Point scholarship. Now, Carson at the time was the top ROTC student in the city of Detroit. Okay. And so he has spent some time trying to iron this out. Because, of course, the mainstream media ran with this so-called admission of fabrication, all right? Now, his campaign manager, Barry Bennett, says, quote, he was introduced to folks from West Point by his ROTC supervisors. They told him they could help him get an appointment based on his grades and performance in ROTC. He considered it, but in the end, did not seek admission. So the whole thing was that 
He fabricated. He said that he, you know, that they offered him a scholarship. They say they don't offer full scholarships, although on their website they use that terminology. It's a whole big thing that blew up. Now, Carson has admitted that he may have misremembered. We're going back about 50 years. But he said he was not fabricating, that it was semantics. Okay, so now Politico has removed that term fabricating from the headline. But boy, everybody thought they were onto something. Here's this outsider who looks like he is giving Donald Trump a run for his money and people are gravitating to him and we've got this gotcha going. He fabricated, he lied. Now, in an interview with the New York Times, following that political story, Carson said, I don't remember all the specific details. But I had done so extraordinarily well. You know, I was told that someone like me, they could get a scholarship to West Point. But I made it clear I was going to pursue a career in medicine. And then he said, it was, you know, an informal, with a record like yours, we could easily get you a scholarship to West Point. Okay? So uh, he was asked by Bill O'Reilly whether he could have been more clear about the circumstances in his book. And he replied, yeah, I could have been, I could have clarified, you know, um, I, I told it as I understood it. So it was a whole, a whole lot of nothing, really. Um, so the interesting thing about it is that this is on the heels of, of something that I find completely baffling. This is on the heels of being accused of not being as big and bad as he alleged, you know, because in his story, he shared that he uh, tried to stab someone when he was younger, when his temper was out of control, and that he, he, he tried to hit his mom with a hammer, you know, um, and yet people are saying, you lied, you lied, you really didn't try to hit your mother with a hammer, you're just pretending you tried to hit your mother with a hammer, you really didn't try to stab anybody, you made that up. And I'm thinking, is this the first time that someone has had to prove that he actually was violent in nature? Like, not Trying to stab somebody is a bad thing, and not trying to hit your mom with a hammer is a bad thing, really. But you know, he content he uh, continues to state that what he said is true. What he said was true that there are no lies, and that these are media attacks. And you know what? He is as cool as a cucumber. The very thing that drives me nuts about him sometimes, because he appears to be operating in his sleep. That very thing is perhaps the strongest asset in this situation, where he just deals with it as, as he comes and refused to let them uh, to, to let them get his goat. So um, Carson, he handled, I think, all the attacks well. And I'm sure tonight that will, that will come up. Perhaps Donald Trump will bring it up because he's been talking about it. So let's listen to him talk about that West Point attack against his if, character. If you look at uh, one of the websites that uh, West Point has today, it says government offered full scholarship to West Point. So they use that very language themselves. So almost 50 years ago, they may have been using that language uh, as well. But the situation. The standard, the, the time, did you need to apply? No, it, it didn't go to that extent because they were very impressed with what I had done. I had become the city executive officer in less time than anybody else had ever done that. Uh, and they were saying you would be a tremendous addition to the military and we can get you into West Point with a full scholarship. And uh, I simply said, I want to be a doctor. I really appreciate it. I'm very flattered. 
and I moved on. So it didn't go on any further than that. <laughs> I don't think it's relevant at all, but I think what it shows, and these kinds of things show, is that there is a desperation on behalf of some to try to find a way to tarnish me because they have been looking through everything. They have been talking to everybody I've ever known, everybody I've ever seen. There's got to be a scandal. There's got to be some mercy to have an affair with. There's got to be something. They are getting desperate. So next week, it'll be my kindergarten teacher who said I peed in my pants. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But it's okay because I totally expect it. Can you tell us, uh, just clarify your meeting with General Westmoreland? Hmm. He, said, he said it's okay because I totally expect it. And that's where we are right now. He called this in an interview. He said it's a media hit job because he said he is a threat to the secular progressive movement because he said he's the candidate most likely to beat Hillary Clinton. And you know what I find interesting? And I'm not saying that candidates should not be held accountable. They should be. But but the media also should take some pride in the work that they do as well and not just run with things and fabricate that he said he was fabricating. No one cared about, no one still seems to care about Obama's field college records. In fact, if you bring something like that up, you're a racist. Because the president is black, and so if you question anything about him, it's because you're a racist. Interesting, because Dr. Ben Carson is also black, and yet he's not black enough? I mean, I just throw that out there because we know uh, what people often say about black conservatives who, you know, who dare to leave what I call the Democrat plantation. Um, but anyway, so I have to admit, though, when I first heard the story— that, that he admitted to fabricating, I, I bought into it. And I should have known better because I know how the media works, which is why no one trusts them anymore. You know, many, if not most people who heard that story, this is, see, this is what the media count, this is what they count on. Many, if not most people who hear that will never do any more checking. And that's what the media are counting on. It's sort of like, you know, in sports, when the home crowd is considered that extra man or woman on the court or on the field or on the ice or whatever, in basketball, for for instance, the crowd, the home crowd, is considered the sixth man on the floor. Well, when it comes to carrying the water for Democrats, the media win the sixth man of the year award. It's what they do. And again, no wonder the American public does not trust the mainstream media. And you would think that, that they had learned something from the last GOP presidential debate when CNBC was clearly, clearly biased. So... Carson, though, I will say, he said that he has never seen anything like this in terms of how the media are treating him and that others have told him the same. Now, I, I admit that this was low, but they must have, these people who are telling him this, and he must have missed out on 2008 when they put uh, Sarah Palin through this, what she went through. You know, I don't know how many people were accused of fabricating the birth of, of your own son, your own child. I don't know how many people were accused of using your, your child as a prop because he had Down syndrome. I don't know how many people were, had ads of them, you know, with a, with a coat hanger suggesting that, that, that trig should have been aborted. So I don't quite know that I would go quite so far as what Carson said, that this is nothing has ever been done on this scale. 
Um, I, I think that that the media obviously are out to get him, but it happens, and it's, it particularly happens to conservatives, and uh, and people don't trust the media as a result. All right. So again, the first debate, the GOP presidential debate, was at seven o'clock Eastern, and that was the you know as they say the undercard debate, and and Christie and Huckabee were in that debate. Um, they didn't make the main stage. Um, so the a candidate had to average 2.5% in, in these four most recent national polls, these particular polls. And uh, Christine Huckabee j- uh, fell just short. Now, you had a two, so they were short of 2.5% in the, toll, in the polls. And to rate an invitation for the undercard debate, a candidate had to get 1% in any one of the previously the the the, the four polls that I I uh, alluded to, one percent. You just hey, if you could just get one percent, you could be in the undercard debate. Now, Lindsey Graham didn't make it. Uh, former New York Governor Pataki didn't make it. Jim Gilmore didn't make it. They failed to qualify. Now listen, if you're not at one hundred, if you're not at one percent at this point, I mean, call in, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is I know it's early. I know this thing is fluid still, but one percent. If you're not at 1% at this point, I think it might be time to step aside. Am, am, I, am I wrong? I mean, is there, is there somebody out here that, that thinks that at this point, you know, uh, you can't get 1% and qualify for the undercard debate? Oof, I don't know. And, and when I mention Gilmore, I still get people saying, who? Seems to me you might want to save some money. And, and, and I mean, who's giving to these? Are people actually like donating to people who are not registering at 1%? Anyway, so uh, I'm looking forward to the debate when we're done uh, here tonight. We'll, you'll, you'll jump right into that. Um, the main debate, Neil Cavuto and uh, Maria Bartiromo from um, Fox Business Network are running that debate. And I'm sure it's going to be heavily focused on the economy, they say. And uh, it's going to be much better, obviously, than the CNBC one. And not to leave the Democrats out, Saturday night, I hear we have another debate. We have Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, Martin O'Malley, and they square off in Des Moines, Des Moines, Iowa. And that's the next one. That should be interesting, uh, even though most people already believe that we have our candidate and that that I shouldn't say our candidate, but the Democrats candidate. And that being, of course, Hillary Clinton. We shall see how that plays out. Um, okay, so let's let's go back to last week. Last week we spent a little bit of time talking about Carly Fiorina and talking about the view. Speaking of Carly, by the way, you know when she made that main stage debate, the second debate, the first one that she was on the main stage, her. I mean, she her performance was just amazing. She, whenever she does an interview, she's she's wonderful. She really is. She's got a grasp of the issues, and we can question her record at Hewlett Packard and all that. I'm not endorsing her. I'm not endorsing anybody. But um, you know, but but I will say that that she is sharp. Okay, she's sharp. And again, question her record if if you need to. But she's sharp in in, in providing answers concerning that. But um, since that debate. I mean, she surged, and then she just disappeared. Like, she didn't have staying power. So I'm just curious about how how that's working out for her. Um, But anyway, she went on The View because we talked last week about the fact that they commented on the last debate 
stating that her face looked demented, like a Halloween mask, and laughed about it. And we talked last week about the hypocrisy of that, because when Donald Trump said, look at that face, The View, Joy Behar, and Joy Behar in particular, see, I can't even say Joy Behar, because somehow Joy doesn't quite go with Joy Behar. It's just her name being Joy, and then, anyway, she doesn't seem to exude Joy, as you would know if you, you know, have seen her. Now, I'm not a watcher of The View, but I know enough to know that Joy is not the first thing that comes to my mind. But anyway, I digress. So, they commented on her face, even though they took Donald Trump to task when he commented on her face. And Joy Behar said, why don't you just talk about her brain? Well, so anyway, Carly had said, you know what? I was on The View, and no one had any of that to say to me then. I wonder if they would say it to my face. Well, they invited her back. She was there on Friday. Whoopi Goldberg was not going to be there. Apparently, she had a day off. And she decided to come, which is which was great. I don't watch the show, but I had to tune in. It was awkward. Uh, it was it was just uncomfortable. And uh, Carly was there via, I guess, satellite you call it. And uh, they would barely let her speak. In particular, when they questioned her about being against women's choices and and things like that, and of course, Planned Parenthood was at the center of that. And I want to play this clip because they really got all wound up about the issue of of Planned Parenthood. So let's listen to this. Let's talk about issues for a second, okay? Because you believe a feminist is a woman who lives the life she chooses, which we all applaud. That's right. Yet, it seems to me that you are against programs that let women make choices for their lives. For example, I read, maybe you can correct this, that you would like to overthrow Roe v. Wade. Uh, you're against government-mandated maternity leave, which is a woman's issue. And you're against uh, raising the minimum wage because a lot of women are working in low-paying jobs. And really, the minimum wage, I think, is a great idea because it stimulates the economy. People have more money, they spend more, everything is, is better. So how do you reconcile, reconcile these two positions that I just explained to you? Well, you just went through the litany of the left, by the way, if I may say. That is the litany of the left, that the only way you can be pro-woman is to agree with the left's prescriptions for women. Here's the problem, though. The prescriptions that you laid out aren't helping women. So you've, you've laid out a bunch of stuff. Let's just start with abortion. Okay. I mentioned common ground. Actually, the American people have found common ground on this issue. Whether you're pro-choice or pro-life, I'm pro-life. But whether you're pro-choice or pro-life, the majority of Americans are horrified by the reality that we're harvesting baby parts through late-term Carly, abortion. I need to stop the you. Majority of I need to stop you because that is not, Whoopi, you know I'm that's sorry, not you true. Asked, you asked Carly, me a you question. know no one's well, harvesting baby parts. That's interesting. No one's harvesting baby parts. That's interesting, that, that's oh, interesting Carly, come on, girl. that Planned Parenthood, it's interesting that Planned Parenthood just announced that they were no longer going to take compensation for that. So they were I not guess harvesting baby you, parts, my baby. Point. They weren't harvesting. Uh, go point. ahead, Carly, because, yeah, you, you have the floor. I'm, please my don't bad. say my things point. like that that are not true. That offends it, my sensibility it, it, to hear you yeah. say something like that when because you know it's not true. You can take it. It offends Joy Behar's sensibilities because Carly knows that it's not true. 
in spite of the fact that Planned Parenthood, as Carly Fiorina pointed out, said that they would no longer take compensation for the harvesting of baby parts. Here's my question. I don't get it. What is this worship? And, and that's the best word I can come up with. What is this worship of Planned Parenthood that gets folks so riled up? I mean, it's like a cult. Listening to it, you can hear in their voices how upset they, you know it's not true. You, and they didn't even want to let her speak. And after that, I mean, they, they changed the subject. And she went, she went on to explain what really helps women with solid details. But they didn't know what to do with that. And they moved on and, and they started talking about how they helped her build her profile by having her on the show last time. But, I mean, there's something, and I, and I know, without trying to get too deep, I guess, on a spiritual level, there's, there's, there's something deep about Planned Parenthood that just, it riles people up. It's like a cult. I'm telling you, it is, I don't know. They didn't like it, but she she stood her ground. Now, so they eventually got around to why she was back on the show. They, you know, she said, well, I wonder if they're going to say it in my face. And they talked about everything else. And finally, Whoopi brought up the elephant in the room, which was their hypocritical comments about her demented, quote, Halloween mask face, as they said, you know, after criticizing Donald Trump about the same thing. So they got around to those comments. Hmm. Let's take a listen to this. United States. How about how about humor? Um, because well, how about humor? you know, I, well, I'm I'm going to bring it up because there are going to be lots of comics saying lots of different things, and I wondered because we saw some of the, that you were a little upset with us uh, about a, a, a comic comment that was made, and so. How will you steal your skin? Do you know what I mean? How will you, uh, how will you get a thicker skin to accept some of the, the humorous things that will be said about you? Mm -hmm. Well, hey, if you meant your comment about my face being demented in a Halloween mask as humorous, so be it. I guess you misinterpreted Donald Trump's comments about my face and thought no. those weren't humorous. No, 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 no
When somebody, for example, not necessarily you, but when someone, for example, says that because I don't agree with the litany of the left, I am against women. <laughs> I love Ms. Fiorina's response to their assertion that they were just being comedians. Um, we're comedians. So you, you notice how that works? So you need to get a thicker skin. You need to get a thicker skin because we were just being comedians. How interesting is that? That, to me, was an absolute cop-out. Every day they sit, I mean, I don't watch the show, but every day they sit up there as comedians. And no, they're they're out there all the time making political uh statements and political issues and all that. What happened was they got busted because they made a comment that they had criticized a man for making. Why? Because they're political hacks. Okay? They just are. And so they got called on it. And so now, well, you need to get a thicker skin because this is what it's, you know, people are going to make comments. Well, yes, people are going to make comments. But I love what she said she said, oh, so I, I guess Donald Trump was, was also performing comedy when you, when you criticized him for what he said. But they didn't. They did. She handled them very, very well. I don't know how people watch the show. Um, and then we've got Candace Cameron. I don't, forgive me for not really knowing how to pronounce her last name, but Kirk Cameron's sister, the actress, uh, Candace Cameron Burr, I think it is. She will, uh, I guess, be joining with them more when she's done filming uh, Full House or whatever. All I can say is, I mean, I know you can't just preach to the choir. I know we're called the right voice here, and, and most of the people who listen will be people who probably, you know, think like like we think, to be honest. Um, but at the same time, I, I understand that you've got to go into the lion's den at times. I, I've been there, you know. But I, uh, I don't know how you would want to sit at that table with them every day and, and deal with that. I don't know, but apparently that's what she wants to do. So I, you know, maybe she can be a light in the darkness, and, and that'll be a great thing. So anyway, I just wanted to go back uh, to go back to that. So in the time we have remaining, let's touch on some some hot topics. Lots going on in the news, um, and uh, and also some wacky and some happy news. So we've got a few minutes, and I just want to touch on on some on some things. Again, though, we do have a, a few minutes if anybody wants to call in. The number is 646-200-3715. This is The Right Voice, and I am Adrian Ross. And if you missed the first part of the show, you missed Dr. Alveda King, daughter of Reverend A.D. King, the civil rights leader, who was the younger brother of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So she is his niece, and she talked to us a little bit about uh, about the issues of race and the issue, the pro-life issue, and uh, and so we're grateful to have had her on. So if you're listening, make sure that if you missed the first part, that you do at the same link catch the podcast and also share with other people um, this this broadcast. We really, really want to take this to the next level, and uh, I can't do it without you. And I think that we're we're worthy of your hour once a week. So um, don't just tune in when we have a Dr. Alveda King on there. You know what? You're a Dr. Alveda King. You know, don't just tune in when when a Governor Sarah Palin gives us a shout out as she did uh, during one episode. I'm telling you, it just uh, we had so many people listening to that podcast. 
that's wonderful. But I have a feeling that she would say also, don't just tune in. When I say tune in, we we're not um, sheeple. We're we're people who can can make decisions for ourselves and things that are worthy of our time. And so, in any case, I said all that to say we're here every Tuesday from. 8 to 9 Eastern PM, and we want you to join in with us on the right voice. And we just want to grow this thing, and we can't do it without you. All right? So thank you for that. And hot topics. Well, we know that President Obama met with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu yesterday. It was the first meeting in over a year. And uh, Netanyahu did uh, criticize um, the Iran nuclear deal during his visit. But <clears throat> I saw in Breitbart today that he also, uh, it was also called probably one of the, the greatest, I'm not getting the terminology right, but one of the best meetings that they have had. And uh, so there's been some tension. I don't think they pretend to really like each other, but we are allies. And so, um, you know, they try to find common ground. But one area where they're not finding common ground is the area of this nuclear deal. And uh, Obama called it a narrow issue, which I, I kind of heard it as, I don't think that the Israelis would call the Iranian nuclear deal a, a narrow issue when uh, Iran has threatened to wipe Israel off the face of the map. But um, someone else said that, I, I, someone on Fox said, I, I don't think that that he was saying that it was a minor issue, but just said it's a narrow issue, meaning it's the one issue that they don't agree on. Well, listen, first, I'm sure they don't agree. I'm sure there are many issues they don't agree on. Second, even if it were just the one issue they don't agree on, when Israel believes that its very existence hangs in the balance, that one issue is enough of an issue. That's issue enough. So, they, But they did meet, and I believe that the, the prime minister will be meeting tomorrow with um, Secretary of State John Kerry. Uh, another thing, Obama reject the key, rejected the Keystone Pipeline. That means he rejected the 42,000 jobs that were uh, waiting as well. We've been waiting for years for that decision, and most people figured he was either going to bow to the union constituency or the environmentalist. And, uh, well, he rejected the Keystone Pipeline. So there you have it. Um, the president finally launched a Facebook page yesterday, and his first Facebook uh, post was about a very, very uh, important issue, he would probably tell you, a very important issue, he would say. Um, well, we've got all kinds of issues in our nation. We've got ISIS cutting off Christians' heads, threatening the United States, allegedly blowing up planes. Uh, we've got uh, ISIS who just released a video, I think it came out today, in which they killed 200 children, children spraying them with machine guns while they were lying on the ground. Uh, we've got Iran figuring he can do whatever it wants, still chanting death to America, all, already violating our so-called nuclear agreement. We've got Vladimir Putin and Russia trying to take over the world. We've got China claiming the South China Seas as, as its own and talking smack about American involvement. We've got folks out of work. We've got, we've got Planned Parenthood harvesting body parts and selling them for profit. We've got crime in our streets in, in Chicago, which is off the charts. We've got morale down. And the president has always called, has called this the, most, the greatest threat of our time, and that's climate change. And then deep. And all along, we were worried about other things. And we've got climate change. That's deep. In case you can't tell, that's sarcasm. Anyway, I want to move in the last, I have about, uh, I can, I'll go maybe a few, couple minutes into overtime. But I, I want to transition. There's a lot more that I, that I could talk about. Um, the Russian airplane crash 
which uh, looks more and more like an inside job from ISIS. We've got uh, Trump on Saturday Night Live. We got we got all kinds of stuff. But I, I want to have I want to get to some 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 wacky news, and and maybe this isn't maybe this is more happy news than wacky news. But I thought it was interesting news, if nothing else, and that that is that in Houston. For those of you who love to go to the restaurant, those of you who are parents and you love to take your children to restaurants, well, this particular restaurant will now be handing out rules cards to parents who come in. And those rule cards are for parents with loud children, okay? So you're going to get a card when you come in with your kids, and these cards are going to have some rules and regulations on them. Now, they want, they know that some people are not happy about it, but hey. And, you know, I don't have any children, and I think that people who have children should be able to go out with their families, et cetera. But, you know, there, especially when I was in New York, there were times when I'd like to go out. I'd be working all week, and um, and I, I would want to, on a Friday, maybe go to Red Lobster, go somewhere, and just give me give me a seat, give me a booth. I'll bring a book or, or whatever, and I just want quiet because I teach seventh, I taught seventh graders, and I was in the hallway, and I'm hearing noises and all this, and I just want some peace and quiet. And then, sure enough, I'd have this seat, and it's just quiet, and every time somebody would, and the kid is climbing all over the walls, and they're staring at me, and they're leaning over the seat, and no offense, parents, I know you, you work hard, you do a great job and all that, but sometimes we need some rules cards, okay? And it just, I, I, I remember I had a pastor who would, the kid would be running through the hall of church or whatever, and the pastor would say to the kid, go tell your mama that you're here. <laughs> and that used to drive some folks, some mothers uh, mad. But he had a point. Go tell your mama that you're here because she clearly doesn't know that you're here because you're running like a wild person. And uh, and so your mama needs to be reminded that she brought somebody with her. Anyway, so maybe that's wacky, maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, let's move on to some happy news. I thought this was great. This was um, a Mississippi high school football player. Um, I saw this on Breitbart, and I, I work for Breitbart, by the way, Breitbart News. And uh, but there's a Mississippi high school football player, and he is uh, his name is uh, Dalen Jones, and you see him on his knees on the football field with his hand extended, and he's praying. Uh, he's praying because of an injured teammate. A teammate collapsed, and a woman, Kathy Smith Green, she posted the picture on on Facebook of him praying, kneeling with his arm stretched out and praying. And she said, "I snapped this picture of Dalen Jones not just taking a knee for his injured teammate, but praying." She said, "In this time where organized prayer is challenged in courts and schools, in fear of lawsuits, cower against atheist demands, it is comforting to know." These kids who have been brought up right don't have to be led in prayer. And so she um, uh, she just thought that was wonderful. He was not ashamed of his faith. He knows who heals. And his classmate, fine, absolutely fine. So that's wonderful. All right, another bit of happy news. I'm not a LeBron James fan from the Miami Heat. I'm a Lakers fan. I'm a Kobe Bryant fan. But LeBron James has, you know, those long shorts that these players are wearing? Um, long gone are the days of John Stockton and those short shorts that the guys used to wear, uh, the NBA players used to wear. But LeBron James has opted to go to a shorter, a little tighter short. Not Again, not John Stockton uh, short, but um, he said he wanted to be a role model 
for young kids um, who, you know, have these big old baggy shorts hanging down and all that. And so he went a little bit shorter. I think they said just a couple inches or whatever. But um, but he wanted to be that role model. And, you know, I think give credit where credit is due. Pull up those pants and we don't need the pants to look like capris. So that's a wonderful thing. I'm going to end with this bit of happy news as well. And that is it's a local story here in Missouri. Uh, it was in our local paper. We have a, a, a woman who's a photographer, and she recently lost a child, a special needs child. And in honor of her special needs son who passed away, she organized an event for special needs family. She and four or five other professional photographers set up appointments for special needs children to come. And she set up her own appointment. I think it was 15 minutes because that's about as long as they'll they'll um, be able to, you know, to not get so squirrely. But she was saying that lots of times these families don't get to take these family pictures and pictures of their children because they have special needs and they're not sure how the child is going to respond and, and uh, other people don't know how to handle them. But she said that when it's all said and done, you know, she lost her child. And when it's all said and done, she said, all you have is photographs. And so she wanted, all you have are photographs, I should say. And so she wanted to give that opportunity. And there were people who came as far away as Illinois. And uh, it was a wonderful thing that these photographers did for our special needs families to be able to have these these portraits. And so uh, that's happy news. And so I just wanted to share that. You know, the time goes so fast. And I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in to The Right Voice. Um, tomorrow is Veterans Day. Thank a vet. And uh, God bless you. And also, again, today is the 240th birthday of the Marines. We owe our military a debt that we absolutely cannot repay. God bless them. God bless you. And, uh, again, this is also Adoption, National Adoption Month. So, um, hey. Thank God for families who are willing to bring others into their homes. All right. We will catch you next time on the Right Right Voice Tuesday, next Tuesday the 17th at 8 o'clock Eastern. God bless you. Have a wonderful night. Get better. And you're asking, why is it always raining on?
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.